Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. In this week's Shear, we will discuss two psukim and two Rashi comments, which inform us of some of the contrasts between Yaakov and Esav. The first pasuk is actually near the end of last week's Parsha, Parsha's Vayetze. When Yaakov Avinu finally prepares to leave the home of his father-in-law, Lavan, and to go back to Eretz Yisrael, the pasuk says in Chapter Lamed Aleph, Pasuk Yud Zayin, Vayakam Yaakov, Yaakov got up, Vayisaw Espanov Yesnashov Alagamalim, and he lifted his children, his sons, his children and his wives onto the camels, and he began to travel, Lavoy El Eretz El Yitzchok Aviv Arzakanan, and he began, together with all of his property, to travel back to come to Yitzhak, his father, in the land of Canaan. Rashi comments, Esmanov, the Esnashov, it says that he put his children, his sons specifically, and his wives on the camels. Rashi says, Hiktim Zechorim Lenekebis. Yaakov preceded, he put first the males before the females. He first put his sons on the camels. And then he put the females, he put his wives. And Rashi continues, The Esav hiktim nekevais lezacharim. Esav, however, put the females before the males. Shenemar, as it says in this week's parsha, parshas Yishlach, after Yaakov and Esav meet, and after they come to a reconciliation of their differences, it says, Vayikach Esav esnashov v'yezbanov. Esav took his wives and his sons, and he traveled back, back on his way. He traveled away from Yaakov. That's in Perak Lamed Vav, Pasuk Vav. So Rashi is commenting on this difference between Yaakov and Esav. Presumably, although Rashi does not say it exactly, but presumably. What Rashi means is that Esav was, to him, the main thing was his wives and his the pleasure that he derived from his wives. The children were somewhat of an afterthought. So he first took care of the wives. He was most concerned with the wives. Yaakov, although he certainly understood the importance of his wives, he certainly loved Rachel. That's an open Pusik. And I think we can assume that he was not disrespectful to Leah. There's no evidence to that or to his other wives. But to him, still, one doesn't spend most one's, one, a man should not be spending most of his time among his wives. To him, the more important thing was his sons who were going to be his legacy, were going to carry on in his way.
although this is the, I believe, the proper understanding of Rashi's content in this comment, there is a technical question that needs to be addressed. I have mentioned many times a general principle that Rashi himself tells us that Rashi's methodology is to address each Pasuk in the order in which it appears in the Torah. That is, that when he first comes to a Pasuk, if that Pasuk in and of itself is understandable without comment, then Rashi will leave it without comment. If later on he comes to a to another Pasuk, which seems to be a contradiction or at least an important change from the first Pasuk, then Rashi will comment on it in his commentary on that second Pasuk, not on the first. However, in this instance, Rashi seems to be breaking his own rule. We are now studying Pasuk Lamed Aleph Yud Zion, which tells us that Yaakov first put his sons on the camels and afterwards his wives. And yet Rashi contrasts it to Esav, who did just the opposite, but that is only written in a later Pasuk in Perak Lamed Vav. So it would seem that if Rashi were following his rule, he would have left this Pasuk alone. This Pasuk in itself that says that Yaakov put his sons and his wives on the camels doesn't seem to present any particular difficulty. Rashi should have waited until the second Pasuk to comment about why Esav did it in the opposite order. So Rashi seems to be breaking his quote-unquote rule of order in this instance. As is often the case, I think the answer to this question is that Rashi had a question about this Pasuk itself. The truth is, if we look at this Pasuk, the entire Pasuk could have been dispensed with. Yaakov Avinu in previous Psukim went to speak to his wives, Rachel and Leah, about the prospect of leaving their father's home and going with him to Eretz Canaan. He requested their permission and they granted that permission. And in Pasuk Yud Ches, following the Pasuk that we are learning, it says that he drove all of his cattle and all of his property that he had acquired. And he went back to Yitzhak, his father, in the land of Canaan, or went back towards there. He began his journey towards Eretz Canaan. Now, Pasuk Yud Zion that we are studying that says that Yaakov lifted up his sons and his wives onto the camels is really superfluous. Why does the Torah have to tell us specifically that he put his passengers on the camels? Of course, if they're coming with him and they had agreed to go with him, the wives had agreed to go with him, and certainly the children were going to go with him, it does not really seem important for the Torah to state that he put them all onto the camels. And what if you would have put them onto donkeys instead? The whole Hussek seems to be addressing a, a superfluous detail in the journey. And that could be why Rashi was bothered with this Pusik itself. His question is not, why does this Pusik say that Yaakov did something not in the same order that Asaph did? That in and of itself, Rashi would not have asked because we didn't learn yet what Esav did. But rather, Rashi's question was, why is this Pusik being so specific about just how Yaakov loaded up the camels, first with his sons and then with his wives? 
And Rashi's answer is, I believe, if we read between the lines, Rashi's answer is that this Pusik is intentionally telling us what Yaakov intentionally did. This Pusik is not superfluous. This Pusik is making a point to tell us that Yaakov, in his righteous conduct, he purposely put his sons on the camels first and later the wives. Whereas Esav did just the opposite. And it's interesting to note that if we look at the Pusik about Esav, that, that whole Pusik also uh, could be understood, could be seen as superfluous. That Pusik is actually talking near the end of Pashas Vayishlach about the Toldos Esav. It is giving a genealogy of Esav, and it mentions who Esav, uh, which women Esav took as wives, and who were their children. And this wife had wife had these children, and that wife had those children. And then it says in Perak Lamed Vav, Pasuk Vav, Vayikach Esav es Nashav v'yezbanov v'yezbanoisav v'eskol nafshez v'esai. And Esav took his wives and his sons and his daughters and all the people of his household, v'yezmiknehu v'yezkol behemtai, and his cattle and all of his animals, v'yezkol kinyanai, and all of his property, asher rachash be'eretz kanan, that he had acquired in the land of Canaan, and he went to a different land in order to separate himself from Yaakov, his brother. Now, there also, it's somewhat superfluous. Why would the Pusik have to mention that he took his wives, that he took his sons, that he took his daughters, that he took everyone he had, that he took his cattle, that he took all his pro Presumably, if it would have just said, and Asaph went to a different land, we probably would have known, we would have assumed that he took his entire family and all his possessions with him. So there also it would seem that the Pusik is purposely telling us that Asaph did what he did on purpose, that he specifically, this was his way of doing things, that he always put his wives first. Let us now examine a second contrast that Rashi makes between Yaakov and Esav in this week's parsha, Parshas Vayishlach. As Yaakov prepared to meet his brother Esav after many years of alienation and separation, so Yaakov prepared a large gift of many different kinds of livestock, and he sent this in front of him in order to pacify Esav. We read in Perak Lamed Gimel, Pusik Tes, that Yaakov and Esav finally met, and Esav asks, what's this whole uh, collection of cattle and sheep and camels uh, that I have uh, that I have met, and Yaakov said, "I sent it in order to find favor in, in the eyes of my master." And now Pesach says, "Vayomer Esav, Esav said, Yeshli Rov, I have a lot. Achi, my brother, Yehilacha Asher Lach, let what's yours be yours. Let us let us allow what's yours to be yours. I have Rov, I have a lot. Now on this Pesach." Rashi does not comment. However, 
Yaakov tells Esav that he really would like him to accept the gift. And in Pasuk Yud Aleph we read, Please take this blessing, or as Rashi says, this gift that has been brought to you. Because God has granted me this, this wealth that I can share with you. And because I have chol, I have everything. By Yifsar Bo, and Yaakov entreated him, Yaakov insisted that Esav take by Koch. And in the end, he took. Now on this Pasuk, where Yaakov says, Yeshli Chol, Rashi comments. Yeshli Chol, says Rashi, Kol Sipuki, all that I need. However, but Esav, and that Rashi says, but Esav diber v'lashen gavo. Esav spoke in a haughty, overly proud fashion. Esav said, yeshli rov, I have a lot. Yoser v'yoser michtet sorki, more and more than my needs. So here, Rashi is contrasting. Yaakov said, I have kol, which means kol sipuki, Esav spoke in a manner of hubris, of excessive pride, and he said, Yeshli Rav, I have more and more than what I need. Now here Rashi is following his rule. On the first Pasuk where Rashi, where Yaakov said, Yeshli Chol, Rashi does not comment. Its meaning is self-evident. There was no need to comment. The fact that a Pasuk a few psukim later, is going to be somewhat different. Esav is going to express himself in the same context, but in a very different uh, phraseology. Rashi doesn't concern himself with that uh, on the first Pasuk. He, he understands the first Pasuk. He takes it for what it is, and he allows us to wait till the later uh, somewhat contradictory Pasuk appears. When Rashi comes... To the second pasuk, to pasuk Yud Aleph, where Esav says Yeshli Chol, there Rashi notes that Esav does not speak in the same way that Yaakov spoke. Yaakov spoke in a manner of thankfulness. He was thankful that he has all that he needs. He uh, sounds like he doesn't really aspire to. He does not desire. To have more than what he needs, he is satisfied with what God has provided him with. However, Esav, Esav is a Balgaiva. Esav is a very proud, overly proud, excessively proud person. He's a big shot. He's a braggart. And he says, Yeshli Rav, I got a lot. So Rashi comments on this difference when he comes to the second Pasuk, which is following his normal way. Before we uh, speak a little bit more about that technical point, first, it is uh, worthwhile to think about what Asif said, Yeshli Rav, which Rashi uh, identifies as, a, as an improper, not a nice way of speaking. We can raise the question that it seems that the matriarch Leah spoke in a somewhat similar fashion. 
In Pashis Vayetze, so Leah began to have children. Her first child she named Ruvain, and the second one she named Shimon. The third one, we won't go into the reasons for those names at the moment. The third child she named Levi, and she said, Ato hapam, now, this time, Yilave ishi elai, my husband will accompany me. Yilave, like the name Levi. Because I have born to him three sons. And therefore Yaakov called his name Levi. Rashi explains why when Leah gave birth to this third son, did she say, now my husband will accompany me? Rashi says, the matriarchs, Yaakov's wives, they were prophetesses. They knew that 12 shvatim, 12 children would come out from Yaakov. The Dalit Nashimi saw, and they knew that he would ultimately marry four women. So Amra, Leah said, Now that I have given to Yaakov three sons, he has no more literally opening of the mouth against me. He has no more, he can have no more complaints about me. Because I have taken my entire portion. If there are going to be 12 sons and there are four wives, so each wife would seem to have a possibility. Each wife would seem to have been apportioned to provide three sons. And so since I have provided these three sons, I've already done my entire portion. So therefore, uh, Yaakov will now accompany me. He will now stay near me. He will have no complaints against me, even though he did not originally want to marry me. That's what Rashi says about the name Levi. And then in Perakhov Tes, Pasuk Lamed Hay, we read, Leah again became pregnant, and she again gave birth to a son, and she said, this time I will thank Hashem, Alkain Koroshma Yehuda. And therefore she called his name Yehuda. So, of course, the question is why does she say, Now I will thank Hashem? She thanked Hashem for each one of her children. Rashi says, Now I will thank Shinatalti Yoser Mechelki. I have now taken more than my portion. My portion would have been three sons, but I've now given birth to a fourth. Now I need to thank Hashem in a very special way. Now one might raise the question, is she saying the same thing? Is she speaking in the same style as Esav? Esav looked at all of his property and all of his wives and all of his children, and he said, Yeshli Rav, I have a lot. Leah looked at her four children, her four sons, and she said, I need to thank Hashem. I've taken more than I deserve. Now, what's the difference between the two? And how do we know to interpret this negatively regarding Esav? Maybe when Esav said Yeshli Rav, he meant I have a lot. That's, that's wonderful. I'm thankful that I have a lot. First of all, the Maharal says in his 
commentary, super commentary, Gur Aryeh, that it is the derech of our Chachamim, it is the way of our sages that regarding a character who is known to be a Russia, who is known to be an evil person, we, not we ourselves, but our sages interpreted various facts about them in a negative way. But more than that, I think even the, the words in Rashi themselves indicate a, an important difference between Esav and Leah. Leah said very specifically, Apam es Hashem. I will thank Hashem. Now Rashi explains why she's thanking Hashem now more than before. That's because she has now taken more than what she felt she deserved. But her, her notice, the, the, this that she is excited and taking notice of the fact that she has a lot, that she has more than her expected portion, it's all in the context of Odeh, I will thank Hashem. Whereas Asaph simply says, Yeshli Rav, I, I, I have a lot. So that is Asaph's hubris. I mentioned before that in this Rashi comment about the two phrases, Yeshli Cho and Yeshli Rav, Rashi is following his self-imposed rule of commenting on a difference or a contradiction between two psukim only when he arrives at the second pasuk. However, I think that there's even something even simpler and more basic going on in this Rashi. It would appear to me that Rashi's primary intent in this comment is not at all about resolving a difference between the way Yaakov spoke, Yeshli Cho, and the way Esav spoke, Yeshli Rov. It could be that in and of itself didn't bother Rashi at all. Uh, different people don't express things in the same way, uh, particularly people who are of very different personality types, such as Yaakov and Esau. So the fact that when uh, the fact that when uh, Esau uh, told Yaakov that he doesn't need his gift, the fact that he said Yeshli Rav, and the fact that when Yaakov insisted that he take it, he said it's not a problem for me to give it to you because Yeshli Chol, that in itself, perhaps I think, did not bother Rashi. What is Rashi's point? What is it that he is dealing with in this comment? I believe that it is Yaakov's words themselves. Remember, Esav has uh, found out that this very large collection of uh, camels and sheep and cows and bulls has been sent to him by Yaakov as a gift, and Esav has the good manners to tell Yaakov that it's not necessary. And Yaakov now displays his good manners, and he says to Esav, no, please take it. Yesh licho. I have literally everything. Now that's puzzling. What does it mean? What does Yaakov mean, I have everything? Does it mean everything in the world belongs to me? Does it mean I have everything that a person could possibly have? Neither of those is true. And therefore, the first thing that Rashi says here is 
that yesh li cho, I have everything, means kol si puki, I have everything that I need. That's how Rashi understands the Pesach. And if we look in the uh, translation of Rabbi Sadia Goin, who translated the Torah into Arabic, and subsequently that has been back-translated into Hebrew in relatively recent times, Rabbeinu Sadia, on the words Yeshli Kol, says, Yeshli Yoiser Mehem, I have more than them, meaning, don't worry about me giving you this big gift. Don't think that this is going to impoverish me. Rashi, uh, Yaakov said to Esav, Yeshli Yoiser Mehem. When Yaakov said, I have everything, Rabbeinu Sadia Goin says, it means, I don't have everything. Of course, he doesn't have everything. It means, I have more than what you see here. This is not going to be a big problem for me to, to give these uh, this gift to you. It could be that Rabbeinu Sadia Goin was, was dealing with the same problem uh, with interpreting this Pasuk according to its very literal meaning. So, whereas Rashi says it means kol sipuki, Rabbeinu Sadia says it means what does it mean? I have everything? I have more than what you see here. And therefore, it's not a problem for me to give you this gift. Now, back to Rashi. If all Rashi wanted to do was establish that yesh li cho means I have kol si puki, I have all that I need. So why does Rashi bring in what Esav said two psukim previous? It could be that Rashi wants to strengthen, wants to give somewhat of a proof to his comment. Because we see that if we'll explain that kol sipuki, that, that, that yesh li chol means I have all that I need, we will then be able to understand the extreme difference between Yaakov and Esav. Because we find that Esav said yesh li rov, I have a lot. I have much more than what I need. And we are now explaining this Pasuk, Yesh Li Chol, that, that Yaakov means to say, I have more than what I need. Since, by explaining the Pasuk in this way, we now see, we now have it made very clear to us by the words of the Torah, the complete contrast between Yaakov and Esav. And we know from many Psukim that they were very different kinds of individuals. So since Rashi's comment on Yesh Li Chol supports and shows us another very significant difference between them, that is a, is a smach, that is a support that Rashi's comment is correct. So it could be that Rashi only brought in the Pasuk about Esav, not because in and of itself he wanted to comment on the difference, but he wanted to prove that the meaning of kol si, si, of the meaning of yesh li chol is kol si puki that I have everything I need because and the proof is because this contrasts very nicely with what Esav says yesh li rov. Thank you for listening to Directions in Rashi with Yochanan Joseph, author of the book Directions in Rashi, available from Feldheim Publications. Production aspects were carried out by Minagain Music. Visit them online by going to facebook.com slash minagainbemore.